The Boss Barista Podcast Takeover is brought to you by Chobani. Chobani's mission is making better food for more people. And they've brought that mission to non-dairy by crafting the ultimate oat milk for food service, Chobani Oat Barista Edition. It's plant-based, gluten-free, non-GMO, and vegan-friendly. Their formula was crafted for superior performance and versatility. Whether adding to black coffee or creating the perfect microphone, Chobani Oat Barista Edition will satisfy your cafe needs and delight your customers. Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Welcome to the Boss Barista Takeover. This episode's actually going to be a little bit different than what you've heard so far in this series. This is actually the second of a two-part episode. So if you haven't listened to the first part, I encourage you to go back, give that episode a listen, because we're going to set up the entire premise of this next episode. We just heard from Sebastian Diacono, who's a country manager from Latour in Dutch, and he helped break down insights from Dero Garcia, a farmer in Colombia. Now we're going to hear from Alejandra Hoyos, who's part of a women's cooperative in the Huila district of Southern Colombia. As Sebastian notes, Alejandra is direct and curious, and her insights are incredibly poignant. We sent her the same set of questions that we sent Dero, and her answers are eye-opening and might change your perspective on how you buy and consume coffee. Like the last episode with Dero, you'll hear me and Sebastian talk, then a clip from Alejandra in Spanish, and then Sebastian comes in and explains what we've just heard. Anybody who buys coffee should tune into this episode. As I record this introduction, there are demonstrations in Colombia to protest corruption and inequality exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope this encourages anybody who buys coffee from Colombia to think critically about their purchasing decisions and their buying power and how they can listen better to the needs of farmers. Let's listen to part two of this episode with Alejandra. So I'm back with Sebastian. And the last time we got together, we talked about Dero, who is a farmer in Huila, and he shared a ton of different perspectives about coffee growing. And we talked a lot about coffee growing management, about maximizing profits and how the cost of a coffee maybe doesn't even matter as much if the cost of production is a number you don't know or a number that you don't understand. Um, but we're going to shift gears a little bit. So we're going to talk to a different coffee farmer. So Sebastian, I was hoping that you could tell me a little bit about who we're going to hear from next. Okay. Um, this one is Alejandra, Alejandra Hoyos. She's a young coffee grower from Pitalito Huila. Uh, I met her one year ago uh, buying one of her coffees and she's super she has this crazy energy and she's super interested in, in the coffee business, like why certain coffees paid like this or why the other coffees paid like that. She's super curious. So I became a friend of her. And for this for this occasion, I well with Ashley with Ashley we made some questions to, to her about uh, her insight as a young coffee grower and also as a woman in this coffee growing business. 
Right. So let's hear her. She asked, we asked her the same questions that we asked uh, Dero. So we're going to hear some, some similar responses, but we're also going to hear some very different perspectives too. So let's jump in with Alejandra. Bueno, creo que sería muy importante hacer énfasis en la importancia que tiene consumir un café de calidad y sobre todo el apoyo que se está haciendo no solamente a, a una familia, sino a una economía completa, ¿no? Resulta que cuando una persona consume una taza de café que es exportada eh, por Colombia, no solamente se apoya a la pequeña familia caficultora que depende del café, sino que también se apoya a la economía colombiana, digamos en este caso específico se apoyaría la, la economía huilense porque es en cosechas cuando hay café que la economía se mueve, entonces yo siento que es como hacer énfasis en la importancia que tiene la producción, bueno, el consumo de, del café dentro de una economía nacional. So what did Alejandro talk about in that first part? Well, he he talks about uh, the consumption in, inside the country. So Alejandra works with his mom in their farm. His mom is part of an association of growers that are, I think, are mostly women. So, um, beside the besides selling their coffee to exporters inside Colombia, they they roast coffee as an association and they sell the coffee. Uh, sometimes the the profit the percentage is bigger, but as I as I told you the last time, a good coffee is not. Um, they don't have like a big consumption here in Colombia, so that's why he 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 told he says about that that it's really important to to improve that part of of coffee here in the country. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I've heard other coffee farmers in different countries talk about the importance of improving in-country consumption. And how by shortening the supply stream, they're able to not only keep more of the money for themselves, but also to reinvest in their own country. So the, all the money stays mm -hmm. within the country. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's true. That's, um, beside that, they also do this, uh, it's like, a, how do you say that in English, like a marmalade jam uh, made out of, a coffee skin. Oh, like cascara jam? Yeah. Yeah, cascara jam. They make a arequipe with, I think, in dulce de leche. Maybe people understand that. I don't I, I don't have the word in English. Dulce de leche. Yeah, yeah that translates. Yeah. yeah. Made out of cascara as well. Uh, so this association is full of women, I think. They make all these things and in a small fairs they go and sell it and that's why i think the first thing that alejandra says is that you know like we have to support these kind of um, projects or businesses it's not we can't live only by selling coffee to supporters mm -hmm. we have to sell our things here inside the country yeah 
I imagine that is important, obviously, in terms of keeping money within the country, but also in terms of just relying on your own systems and your own structures, being able to say, we support us and not being dependent on on trade, essentially. Exactly. So the second part, we asked Alejandra if she's have if she has experience with roasters and buyers asking for things that aren't feasible and she says no so you'll hear her say that but then she'll jump into the mm-hmm. third question where she talks a little bit about if she was ever worried about her crop or anything like that so we're going to hear that part next no digamos que la segunda pregunta cuántas veces los tostadores y compradores de café piden cosas que no son factibles no, digamos que nosotros hemos tenido experiencias con compras, pero no, no, no hasta ese punto, ¿sí? Entonces no, no podría responder esa pregunta como con esa actitud. Claro que sí, yo siento que uno siempre está preocupado por la cosecha, por varios factores, empezando porque dependemos mucho del clima, ¿no? Dependemos mucho del clima, de que haga un buen verano pero también haya un balance entre la lluvia y, y la época de verano porque resulta que necesitamos el verano para que pegue la flor y bueno para que por decirlo así el proceso sea más, más productivo pero también necesitamos el invierno porque pues es el que le da la estabilidad al cultivo entonces esa es una problemática eh, y también es una problemática cuando nosotros invertimos dinero y usualmente los capicultores pues nos endeudamos para lograr una cosecha pero pues resulta que nadie nos garantiza el, produ- el precio del producto final porque a pesar de que nosotros eh, produ- digamos producimos un café de calidad pues eh, el mercado es muy competitivo los precios son muy fluctuantes eh, no hay garantías que nos digan como a este precio ustedes lo van a vender sino que simplemente es como a lo que quiere el mercado y a lo que ellos nos, nos ofrezcan porque pues cuando llega cosecha no hay otra opción sino vender el producto al precio que esté entonces esa es una preocupación So I was wondering if you can explain a little bit what Alejandra's concerns are in terms of weather and growing her crops Yeah, so it's for example data talked about processing you know, the, the risk of processing Alejandra talks about the risk of coffee growing as a whole, you know, because growers, they sometimes they go into depth to buy the products to um, to make the harvest, you know, all the chemicals or fertilizers, everything. Uh, and those prices, they're always steady, you know, they, they grow or they go higher. Uh, during time but that's really tricky because you are making an invest an investment there but you don't know how much are you going to sell the coffee because you have no idea the price of the coffee at the time you sell it right because we move with the market so they are making a big investment and they, at the end, of, after the harvest, they go and sell, and the price is not that good. So that's that's the biggest risk because it's really difficult to find someone that can guarantee you a price because at the end, that investment 
they must do it. You know, if they don't do that investment, the harvest is not going to be good. So she talks about it, um, that there is no guarantees. In, and when they offer something, maybe it's not what the market is looking for. Uh, and sometimes there is no other option but to sell the product at whatever the price is. So it's a, it's a big concern for her. Interesting. I didn't even consider that as a farmer, you almost have to be, in some ways, like a salesperson. I mean, obviously, you're selling coffee. You're selling coffee to potential buyers. But you also almost have to sell, like, not you, but, like, you have to you have to make that extra step. It's never. It, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm not I'm not confused per se. I guess I'm trying to put it into words. But it is a very interesting way to think about how we make transactions. So the next part we're going to hear is about coffee buyers and risk, and then she also will go into that idea of photography and the portrayal of relationships. So that's the next part we're going to hear from Alejandra. No, realmente los, los compradores de café no asumen ningún riesgo ni, ni ofrecen algún tipo de ayuda. Lo que sí se conoce a veces son los seguros que ofrecen las cooperativas, eh, pero bueno, los seguros no, sino las ventas, por decirlo así, como los avances que uno hace, pero igual el número de kilos es restringido, ¿no? No es que uno pueda asegurar toda la cosecha. ¿Has tenido alguna vez una relación con un comprador de café que haya sido retratada de manera diferente en redes sociales de lo que realmente es? Sí, de hecho siento que la mayoría de las relaciones que he establecido con, con compras de café son relaciones muy como jerarquizadas, jerarquizadas sí. y entonces pues uno ve en redes sociales como que hay la... De estamos trabajando de la mano del caficultor, estamos haciendo esto por el caficultor y muestran pues muchas cosas que realmente uno va a la práctica y dice pues hay barreras muy grandes, ¿no? Entonces resulta que es una fachada, siento yo que para vender ese, esa idea al mercado externo, pero pues a los caficultores nunca los tratan, a veces ni siquiera con el respeto que se merecen por todo el trabajo que han hecho, sino como, venga, yo le compro eso, pero pues de ahí no me importa sus necesidades eh, y de hecho a veces ni siquiera es el trato digno y humano que uno requiere, ¿no? que uno espera porque pues es, un, es una relación en la que ambas partes ganan, ¿no? yo gano porque estoy vendiendo el café, pero usted también gana porque pues está... Eh, trabajando con mi café, exporto mi café y debería ser un trato como más, más, por decirlo así, parejo, pero pues eso no se ve sino como solamente en la fachada. So in this part, Alejandra is talking about risk a little bit, but she's also talking about the way that coffee farmers are portrayed on social media and kind of the way that roasters portray the relationships with farmers. And she talks a little bit about higher, like the hierarchy of it all too, which is really interesting. She talks about how power dynamics work. So I was wondering if you could mm -hmm. explain a little bit what she's talking about in this section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, she, well, Alejandra, she's really straightforward always. And I, and I like that about her. And I have seen that 
she she doesn't speak English, but she always speaks her mind to to any roaster. <laughs> so that's really nice. And she she says that in the in the in the audio that a lot of roasters come like I'm the roaster, so I come here to maybe to be a savior. You know, that she she gets that feeling when a roaster come and visit them. And she doesn't like that. Uh, because it's not fair. You know, because they are producing something and he or she's buying, period. That's it. You know? They are working hard, they are selling, and this roaster is buying. That's that's the whole transaction. And sometimes for her a is like it's not fair uh, because sometimes they show in, in social media something that are not true uh, as we talked on the last time that maybe they just come here for the picture uh, so it's is it's like tricky because they want to have the picture because it could be free PR for the grower, but also they don't like that uh, they are not going to buy anything, or if they buy, it's not the price that they're hoping for. Right. Because it's a, if, a, if a roaster comes, they're going to, oh, I'm going to sell my coffee really good. But when they give they, they give the price to the grower, they're like, oh, hey, it's not that good. Right. And so it's, it's, it's tricky, you know? Uh, because sometimes you feel like you have to take the picture, you know, like, okay, let's take this picture and let's hear what this roster has to say or offer. But is they, they, they don't care or they, they, she feels that the roster don't care. Um, and she, sometimes she told me about once that she feels like it's, it's silly to do all these huge parade when someone comes and everything and here your lunch and come here and everything at the end is like oh it's nothing it's like not so good price and or so all of this for nothing right i think so, i think that's a good point mm-hmm. you mentioned that there's almost like a like it's like a show it's like here's the farm and we're gonna have lunch for you mm-hmm. and you get to take these photos and you almost feel obligated to do it because you don't really have another option because maybe they will buy the coffee maybe they won't buy the coffee yeah, exactly. and there's this expectation that this is how this goes but it seems like what Alejandra is saying is that like no this is fake like this is a business transaction like either you're buying this coffee or you're not buying this coffee yeah, either awesome. way I don't care <laughs> but let's not mm-hmm. let's not pretend that this is something different exactly you know like she say I'm going to to say exactly what she say like I win because I'm selling you the coffee but you are also winning because well you are working with my coffee exporting my coffee and you should treat me like an equal right exactly that's true it should be like that like that's like basic human decency. Right, right. And it seems like we sometimes treat these relationships between coffee farmers and roasters as something else. And I think you even mm-hmm. said so yourself. It's this like very white saviorism. 
mentality. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, she, she, well, you know, she feels like that. Um, I, I understand her point, but as I told you, and as I told Alejandra once, like, look, a lot of people come here, and I know how you feel, like, but trust me that a lot of a, a lot of roasters, a lot of customers, they how do you say that? They they have their their heart in the right place. Yeah, you got it. Uh, but sometimes they don't know how to to share it, you know, or maybe uh, they like they haven't or someone haven't shared with them how should be like, how should be these kind of things. So, uh, and sometimes I'm there for, for, for that reason. Me, Sebastian, I'm there for that. When, when I bought the coffee from Alejandra, I told her that. I know how you feel like this, and I understand your point, and I'm listening to you, but there are people that are, that are really good. They really want to, to, to do a good work with you. And that's why sometimes the middleman is needed. Mm -hmm. uh, so these transactions could be just a business transaction, you know, nothing else. Mm -hmm. and, and what Alejandro says is true. And, and that's why it's really important for a coffee buyer, as I told the first time, to sit and listen, you know, because this is a real concern from a real grower and it's valid. Right. And a coffee buyer, a coffee buyer shouldn't say, oh, this is, ah, uh, no, she's a kid. She doesn't know. No, she knows. And we should listen to her and we should sit with her and explain like my point of view as well and try to get to the, uh, how to say that, like a part where we all agree. I'm not going to to tell her, hey, no, just just go with it. No, of course not, because it's her farm, it's her life, and she she's right, mm -hmm. and she she I really like what she said. Like she should be treated like an equal, period. And mm -hmm. um, if you are a, if you are a buyer, if you're a roaster that is going to read and you're listening to this. Just, just listen to people. Listen, but not just listen to for being nice. Just listen to really, really listen because a lot of people have concerns. And if you want to have a really good and healthy relationship with a grower, you should take in mind everything that he or she says. So the next part, we're going to talk about price again. And what I like about Alejandra's response is that she gets really specific with numbers. So we're going to hear her talk about that. ¿Cuál es un buen precio para el café? No tiene por qué ser una cifra exacta, pero cuando habla con un comprador de café, ¿qué le parece justo y qué busca? Bueno, ¿cuál es un, bu un buen precio para el café? Mm. Eh... Pero cuando habla con un comprador de café, ¿qué le parece justo y qué busca? Bueno, yo siento que hablándolo en términos, en términos económicos y, de sobre, y para sobrevivir, el precio por millón trescientos es bien, ¿sí? 
digamos, es un precio estable que genera una ganancia y puede ser sostenible. Pero cuando habla con un comprador de café, ¿qué le parece justo y qué busca? Bueno, yo siento que cuando hablamos con un comprador de café o cuando ofrecemos nuestro producto, más allá de la misma compra del mismo, lo que queremos primero es que nos explique cómo está funcionando el mercado y que nos digan qué podría ser más viable y cómo aquí apuntarle, ¿no? Porque como todo el mercado cambia, entonces yo siento que el hecho de que una compra de café nos ayude a mejorar procesos, nos eh, diga cómo mejorar el, a veces dentro del mismo manejo de, de una finca, pues es de gran ayuda e impacto. Y yo siento que lo que más buscamos los caficultores es acompañamiento, ¿no? Dentro de todo el proceso, porque pues nosotros producimos y metemos como toda la ficha durante el año, pero pues a fin de cuentas nadie nos garantiza nada. So in this section, Alejandra talks about pricing and money really specifically. So I was hoping that you could break down a little bit of some of the numbers that she's using and what exactly a carga is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Alejandra talks about carga. One carga is 125 kilos of parchment coffee. Parchment coffee is the coffee that is a directly from the farm. So those, uh, that carga is roughly 90 kilos of green coffee ready to be exported. So 1.3 million pesos is roughly like $358 mm -hmm. that she's getting uh, per carga. So that's, that's her numbers and that's what she thinks it should be um, well, fair, a fair price for, for her coffee to be sustainable. Mm, but also she talks like that's what she thinks is, going, is, is good. But also she says like it's really good to, to speak with the, with the buyer to think what is fair to the buyer. And what is he or she looking for? Because uh, maybe it's not uh, the price that she she wants to, or maybe she uh, she wants mostly like explanation on why is the coffee buyer paying this or that. So I think it's really valid uh, because she knows how how much is is the the fair price at the beginning. And yeah, maybe the buyer can give more price uh, and she wants to understand from where does the or does this price come yeah that's an interesting point because i think what often happens in coffee when we have something like the c market or something like the new york stock exchange dictating price there's this idea that there's an inherent value to coffee. But I think what Alejandra is saying is that the price of coffee comes from this negotiation, from this point, from this talking with the coffee buyer, seeing what they need, talking to the grower, seeing what their cost of production is, which is going to be very different. So that there is, so she sets her price, 1.3 million uh, Colombian pesos as something that's sustainable, but that doesn't, doesn't necessarily translate to everybody And I have to imagine that's not the price that everybody's getting, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, 
it's tricky, you know, because every buyer has a different price. It depends on what he or she is looking for. So what Alejandra says is like she wants to understand that. Okay, you are giving me this price, but where does that price come from? Why are you giving this price? Or uh, and she she's really curious. And when when I when I bought her coffee is when we as a company bought her coffee, she was like, okay, the price is good, but now I want to cup with you because I want to know what are you looking for. If I cup and this is what you're looking for, I'm going to try to replicate the same so you keep buying from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful because like like we were saying, there's no f- finite thing that, that makes a price a price. It's understanding mm-hmm. between the two actors what what is needed, which is really interesting that she picked up. Like she's immediately on that. Like, oh, you're paying me this much for this. I'm going to go cup with you and see what you're looking for. Exactly. And that's super good, you know, because... When, when you are dealing with a grower like that, you know that he or she is going to keep delivering. Mm-hmm. She knows about what I'm looking for. And for example, one day I, I could say, Alejandra, no, I, I'm looking for another thing. And she will understand. And maybe she will say, okay, so I'm going to offer to this other buyer. And I think that's what I'm... I'm saying about the healthy relationship, you know, that you can be honest in good or in bad. Like, I can't buy you this coffee right now for this and this. And she she understands that. And I think that's the best, one of the best relationships we have here in Colombia because it's really mature and we can be honest with each other. And there is no, like, tricky business or something like that and I cope with her and she even asked me like why did you give him that score or why don't you like that note and it's my job to explain to her like look maybe this note of I don't know sugarcane right now for this customer is not super relevant and she will understand you know, and it's really, really, really good for her because I'm one of the buyers. With other buyers, she she will already know, you know, and, and so the buyer if it's a if it's not a good one and if he or she's lying to her, she will know. And now she can make a decision and say like, Oh no, I'm going, I'm not going to sell to you. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, that sounds that sounds incredible. And it seems like Dero kind of talks a little bit about that um, in terms of farm management and just understanding how complex the entire system is. Um, yeah, it is. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what a bad price is, because we also asked Alejandra about okay. that, which is what we're going to hear next. Cuando alguien plantea un mal precio, ¿cómo responde usted? Bueno, un mal precio. Hay momentos en que, bueno, hay varias fallas, ¿no? Dentro del de tema de, del manejo de las fincas, dentro de la organización que tienen los mismos caficultores, pero resulta que hace un tiempo, hablemos de unos tres años atrás, eh, la carga de café estaba más o menos a 750 mil pesos y resulta que, hablo por la experiencia de nosotros, eh, hubo que vender a ese precio, no hubo opción, o sea, teníamos ese precio, teníamos deudas encima 
eh, no había mejor precio y era eso o, o que las deudas se incrementaran y, y quedar como sin entre comillas aprovechar lo que se lo que se produjo, o sea lo que se sacó en cosecha pero igual yo siento que pues que eso es muy complejo no que el tema del precio está no está regulado porque a pesar de que hay momentos en que el precio es estable y puede considerarse sostenible eh, hay momentos en que el precio cae y nadie le ofrece las garantías al capicultor para que siga produciendo buen café, sino que simplemente el mercado cambia, es muy versátil y todo está como a, a lo que quiera el mercado, no, no hay nada fijo dentro de la producción del café. Mm, así que yo diría que cuando hay un mal precio, el caficultor en general lo vende. O sea, como que toca hacerlo porque no hay más opción. So in this part, Alejandra is talking about what a bad price could look like, but I think what she does is kind of says that, yes, we might get a bad price for a coffee, but there are no other options if that's the only offer you have on the table. Yeah, that's sadly, I think that what's happened like in, like, Five years ago, the the New York stock change price was really, really bad, and in Colombia, the price was really low, like everywhere, for the standard coffee. And sometimes, for example, if if you are a grower that uh, usually sell to the local market, and there is this price. Sometimes you have you don't have another option, so you have to sell, and that's what happened to them. Sadly, five years ago, she told me, and it was less than cost of production, and they made an investment, as I told you, and at the beginning of the harvest, they made an investment. They didn't know how much the price was going to be, so they lost money. You know, if they knew about the price that is going to be, they probably they, they they will make that investment or they will make uh, like a lower one. So that's the, the, the most difficult part of being a coffee grower that sometimes you don't know. Mm, but uh, for example, in, when, when the grower sells a specialty coffee, maybe you will have a better price. But not all the coffee that comes from the farm is a specialty. Like never, never. Like maybe half of your production you are going to be you are you are going to to sell it as a specialty. The other part is local market. So for example, right now the price is really good. But when it comes to really low prices, that's when the problem comes. So it's not only paying for the good coffees, the good For good coffee, like everyone can pay, and it's really easy to sell for the grower. The tricky part is like who is going to buy my regular coffee so I can make a profit. That's a really good point, and I think that people often forget that when you look at a farm, 
no matter how big or how small, maybe very small farms are excluded from this, but when you look at a farm, only a certain percentage of that coffee is going to be the 87s, 88s, 89s that are going to pay a premium. And then you have the rest of this coffee and you're like, what do I do with this? Exactly. That's, that's tricky. It's really, really tricky. And sometimes maybe the roaster wants to, but uh, maybe the coffee is going to be really hard to sell for the roaster as well. So there are a lot of factors in there that uh, right now I, I can tell you how to, okay, I think this is how we can solve it. But I think that as, a, as, a, as an industry, as a whole, we have to, to figure it out. We have to make that investment or at least take on some of that risk. Because mm-hmm. I think I think what you said was interesting that maybe the roaster can't sell that coffee. And I kind of want to call bullshit on that uh, because I think most yeah. roasters can sell most coffee. Um, I think most roasters would be hard pressed to say my consumers can tell the difference between an 84 and an 86. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. So I think that argument that like a roaster is like, oh, maybe I can't sell this coffee. I'm like, I don't know that I believe a roaster who makes that argument. But that's me being pessimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe they can. I, I don't know. Or maybe they can do a plant or. Right. There's a place for that coffee to go. Yeah, I think I think there is, you know, and but I can't. Hey, just just tell someone how to, to run their business right. either, you know, I, I don't know a hey, roaster like their, their profits or their margins or I have no idea. Right. My, uh, the job or my job should be like, uh, hey, you buy the good coffee, that's nice, but there is this good coffee as well. Maybe you have a price or maybe we can work on, on a price that, of course, is a bit lower, but it can work for you, for the grower as well. So uh, it's our job also to, to maybe to push those coffees also to, hey, let's buy this. Don't buy only the good ones. Let's buy these this standard coffees. Do you try to, I guess this is a hard question to answer because, you know, like every every situation is different. But when you're talking to potential buyers and let's say they want to buy I don't know, 20% of a farmer's coffee, but they have this other 80% that's still great, but is maybe not the same quality as the other 20%. How do you try to have those conversations with a potential buyer? Do you try to talk about investment? Do you try to talk about risk? Like, do you, yeah, I just, I, I yeah, I wonder what that conversation even looks like for you. Cause I imagine that part of your job is doing that is doing that kind mm-hmm. of conversation with buyers to say you're making an investment the future mm-hmm. of coffee depends on all of us taking on some of this risk yeah well i always have to be honest with the grower and the buyer you know and, and i won't tell the the buyer or the roaster to to buy something that is not really good in terms of quality um so when i when i see that this coffee that this grower or this association has that maybe is left is good. I can my job is to tell the roaster or roasters, hey, this coffee is good. Let's work 
on a price, you know, uh, or is good so you can make a blend, or is good maybe you can sell it as a regional, or is good maybe you can put it in espresso, uh, and the price won't be super high. And if the roaster or roasters agree, I have to go with the growers and or association and and work with them a price, you know, like. It has to be, of course, higher than the local market. But yeah, I always try to to, to sell the all the coffee I can from from a grower because it's it's going to be good for everyone because the coffee is going to to have a better relationship with me. A the roaster maybe he or she didn't know that that coffee was available. And they will buy it, and everyone is happy. So the last part we're going to hear is Alejandro responding to the question, "What do you want people to know about growing coffee in Colombia?" Hay algo específico del cultivo y la venta de café en Colombia que quieras destacar? Sí, yo siento que pues podrá sonar como muy idealista, no sé pues no sé cómo suene, pero yo siento que es importante destacar todo el proceso que hay detrás de la producción de, de una taza de café y sobre todo cómo enfocarse en las personas que lo producen, ¿no? en las familias que lo producen, en la importancia que tiene este cultivo para las generaciones, en el amor que sienten los capicultores por su café, por el proceso que hacen, en, lo que, en las expectativas de vida que un cultivo de café puede brindarle, brindarle a una familia y cómo a pesar de lo difícil que es cultivar café y sostenerse, eh, este cultivo ha ayudado a que muchas familias pues, en Colombia salgan adelante, de, brinden educación a sus hijos, eh, tengan mejores cali mejor calidad de vida. Entonces yo siento que sería ideal que detrás de una taza de café haya una historia una historia que contar, una historia que nos motive a seguir apoyando este tipo de mercado y sobre todo siento que esto haría que los capicultores crean más en lo que hacen y no sientan que solamente con ir y dejar el café en la compra del proceso queda ahí, o sea, como que finaliza, sino que realmente de ahí hacia allá hay un mundo extenso, extenso, extenso al que ellos también pueden acceder y un mundo lleno de oportunidades para sus hijos también, ¿no? Porque resulta que hay muchos capicultores que creen que voy entre el café y ahí se acaba todo, no conocen como la escala. Entonces yo creo que resaltar la labor del capicultor y enseñarle al capicultor a la vez, bueno, trabajar de la mano con el capicultor y decirle como vea lo que hace su cultivo o vea lo que hace su calidad de producción en el exterior, es bien importante para que ellos se apropien y pues cojan amor a, a lo que hacen porque pues si producen buen café en las condiciones en las que actualmente están, pues no me quiero, o sea, me quiero, imag quiero imaginar lo que pueden llegar a producir, si pueden conocer el proceso que sigue su, su producto. What do you want to highlight in this part? What do you think is important of what uh, Alejandra said that you want to highlight right now? Well, eh, Alejandra, she, she's a really... A down to earth woman, and she's really uh, familiar 
she really cares about her family. So she really wants to highlight that all the coffee that is sold, it should, it should has a name of it on it. Like this coffee is at least from this association in Willa. And this association uh, is, is made by 10 women. And the name of these women are this, 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 and this. Um, because coffee growers are really passionate and they get really excited when they see their name on a, on a bag because it's, it's like the reward from their hard work. And, and I love that when, when we can like give them that, to the, give them that gift of a, of a bag with their name, of a bag of their association. Uh, that's the part like make people really happy. Beside that, it's always a, a fair price or a, like a fair profit to them so they can live. You know, mm-hmm. people forget that this is a business. This is not a hobby. This is not something like people just do on the weekends. No, this is a, a, a business. And people that grow coffee have families. They have to sustain themselves. They have, they want to send their children to school, to university. Uh, as you, they want to go to vacation. As you, they want to go out on a weekend and eat in some place fancy. Uh, as you, they want the best for them and their family. You know, so we should, as an industry, pay attention to that. That is a business, you know, and if you are asking something that is not profitable for the grower, don't ask for it. Or if you don't think that you're doing the best so the growers don't make a profit and they can live a good life with their family, well, uh, try harder. And at the end, I think Alejandro says that uh, think about the families. Think about um, that there are people too, you know? Like you are a roaster and live in, I don't know, San Francisco, and you go out with your friends and family on the weekend. Growers want to do the same, you know? That's period. That's it. And so try to, to be more involved in, in that try to ask more questions, try to investigate more. Uh, and I don't think anyone will, will, will get mad if you ask more. If you happen to, to buy from us, for example, ask me. I will be more than happy to, to answer or more than happy to share uh, everything like I'm doing here with you because... Uh, I'm lucky enough to, to, to work for an international company, but also to be in Norwegian and also to be part of the growers and also to, to know their, their staff and their concerns. And I can, I can, I can show it to the world. And yeah, I think that's the, that's the, that's the message that Alejandra wants to, to tell to the world and Dave as well. Just be good, be nice, and let's all make a 
a business out of this. Well, Sebastian, thank you so much for highlighting these stories and asking these farmers to share their experiences and just giving us a, a, a lens into some of the real struggles that are happening uh, with coffee farmers in Colombia. I really appreciate your time. That was my conversation with Sebastian Diacono, breaking down insights from Alejandra Hoyos. Thanks again to Giovanni for making this episode possible. And if you want to learn more, give Sebastian a follow on Twitter at Seb, S-E-B, Diacono, D-I-A-C-O-N-O, all one word together. He's more than happy to hear your responses and answer questions. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.